Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Hey folks, welcome back. Uh, This is the very first live taping we have ever done, and we're now releasing as an episode. This was recorded on May 12 as part of Boulder Startup Week. Um, We had a great audience mix of nonprofit folks and startup folks. Um, So you can hear we, it's a slightly different take. You know, we're we're trying to get people excited about the sector. Um, Also, this was our very first live taping. So uh, some initial nervous jitters, uh, but we're going to smooth that out before our next ones. Um, and, and just get more and more comfortable. So we hope you enjoy. I think we're ready to jump into the fun. How about you, B? We're going to do it? I say we do it. Oh, gosh. I got to get it off of uh, gallery view. That's going to that's gonna throw me off my game. It's like okay. when uh, you're doing a big presentation and they bring the house lights up and all of a sudden you can see like <laughs> a thousand faces out there. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, welcome everyone to the nonprofit reframe. I am Brittany Wilson. And I'm Nia Wasink. And we um, are here to tell you a little bit about our podcast, but also to talk about um, how bridging the sectors, how bringing together the nonprofit sector and the for-profit sector are really how we're going to affect real change in the community. And so we're going to talk about how um, some examples of how that's done already, um, but also some pitfalls that we have found. Um, but first, I guess maybe we should introduce everybody to our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, let's first off, let's find out who's even listened to it. I'm going to throw a, a poll up um, on your screen. If you can take a quick second and respond, let us know. Do you watch a, or listen to us rather every single week? You've heard a couple episodes. No, this is your first time. If so, welcome. Um, if it's the last one, you don't know why you're here. You probably clicked on the wrong zoom link (laughs) (laughs) or it's your lucky day because, because now you're going to learn something new. (laughs) You're in for a world of fun. Oh, awesome. Sounds like we've got a, actually a great mix of folks. Some who've never heard of the pod, some who are regular listeners and some in between. So thank you all so much for being here. Um, so yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about us and the pod real quick before we jump into the topics. That sounds great. So it, we just had our, what number episode? Monday, we released number 21. 21. So we started last December. We launched in mid-December and as Nia said, um, we do this every week. So we have stayed consistent from the beginning of the year, even with uh, going into quarantine and having to figure out how to do this remotely, because we used to do it where Nia is sitting right now together. Um, One episode when we were still learning how things worked, we actually shared a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Which for those of you who have never recorded an interview or a podcast, having two people on a microphone is uh, intimate. It gets real hot, <laughs> real hot. But we've come a long way since then, or at least we like to think that we have. Um, and it really started 
from both of us working in the nonprofit sector. Um, I've been in the nonprofit sector my entire career. So I think we've said we have combined over 30 years. Is that right? At least. Yep. Over 30 years of experience and just um, experiencing some of the same frustrations over and over and over again. And it was helpful to have a colleague and a friend uh, in the same world who could understand these frustrations. But we used it kind of um, for catharsis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's kind of started as a mantra. We would call each other, tell each other these stories of something that happened in our day. And it was like, ah, that's another podcast episode until it actually became a podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) So we collected ideas and once we had over 50, we had uh, 54. So we had, um, you know, potentially over a year's worth of podcast episodes. We said, okay, we actually have to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. So we, we launched last December um, with our inaugural two episodes, and then we've been going since then, really trying to cover the, the nonprofit sector in a lot of different facets. I mean, we've done dives in on philanthropy, galas, uh, working with boards, uh, technology, and the gap we have there. Um, so really trying to provide a lot of um, content for different types of folks in the sector, um, including those who are maybe just volunteers or board members who don't actually work in the sector, um, but who are finding a lot of um, advice and wisdom somehow (laughs) from the two of us. (laughs) And of course, we try to do it all with humor. So we do talk about some sticky subjects, um, you know, maybe some darker sides of the sector that not a lot of people talk about. And really, that was the point of it was to have a platform where we could do some truth telling, we could shine some light into those darker areas, we could have fun while we did it. And honestly, we wanted it to be as if you were sitting in a living room with both of us and we were just all having a conversation. So that being said, um, sometimes there's some colorful language, which we are going to uh, put on pause. We'll be on our best behavior today. Only for Boulder Startup Week will we do that. Um, but that is just a little note of warning in case you do tune into the podcast. Um, but you know, it's real and that is the goal of it to be real. Mm -hmm. I actually, I ran into a listener at the grocery store this week, both of us fully masked. Um, and she said that her favorite part is that every Monday when she gets her new podcast and her app, she sees the big E for explicit next to ours. (laughs) (laughs) So if you, if you like living on the edge, you know, you might want to subscribe. (laughs) we are like we said earlier not used to having an audience uh we do this every week we uh record our episode for the following week sometimes we do two at a time and uh a lot of times we're just you know freshly out of bed (laughs) so i think this is uh thank you boulder startup week this is the first time i've curled my hair since march 7th I, I have full makeup on. I wasn't sure if I was going to remember how to do it this morning. It's it's a really special day for all of us, I think. <laughs> so yeah, let's bring it back to Startup Week for a sec and even talk about why we're here and doing this. I mean, first off, there is the theme, service to community. That seems to play in pretty well. I know for a lot of folks, when you think about what service to community means, the first place you go is nonprofits. Maybe you you volunteer for one, you sit on a board for one, you donate to one. And that is certainly a, a very real vehicle with which to provide that service. But 
there's also some interesting power dynamics at play between for-profit companies and non-profit companies. Um, and we feel like for the startup crowd, especially, that these are things we can discuss now before you get to be the, the Amazons of the world and have already put into place some actually really negative policies um, and procedures about how you interact with your communities. So uh, for us, this is also about making our community better. We, we live and work here in Boulder County uh, along with you, and we want to help for-profits and nonprofits work better together. Absolutely. And you know, when Nia and I were talking about this episode and what we would be speaking about today and kind of brainstorming, that was one thing that got us really excited is that, you know, I first and foremost have never worked for a startup. So I don't even pretend to know exactly what that's like, but I do have a lot of friends who have. And so just hear stories from them. And I imagine that it's pretty exciting in the fact that you can create whatever culture you want within your company that you're building. And so this is a great opportunity through this conversation today that if that is going to be a value of your company to provide service to the community in which you're living in and your staff is living in, then maybe you can get some ideas today and um, things to incorporate in that. Absolutely. Um, well, let's take a quick second, find out who you all are. I'm going to throw up another poll. Um, so if you're a nonprofit staff, a board member, volunteer, donor, nonprofit curious, uh, you maybe fill a few different roles and that's okay. Just pick the most predominant one for you. Um, oh, wow. Looks like we've got another great mix of folks. Um, oh, this is fantastic. Thank you all so much. Uh, we've got a few nonprofit staff members, board members, volunteers, donors, and, and even just the nonprofit curious. Awesome. Welcome. Oh, that's great. Good. So where do we want to start? Well, let's start with maybe some things that startups can learn from nonprofits. Uh, the nonprofit sector is vast, but yet actually the majority of them are considered startups. Um, the, the largest proportion of nonprofits have annual revenue of under half a million dollars um, and yet are asked to do a lot. And we have a ton of them in Boulder County. Yeah, actually per capita here in Boulder County, we have one of the most dense nonprofit sectors, which of course means we have a lot of competition, whether it be for donors or volunteers, um, but also that we've got a lot of services available to our community. Well, and one of the things that we were discussing when we were brainstorming again for this episode was that we imagine, and tell us if we're wrong, we imagine that when you're starting a business with a startup, you know, maybe you have kind of this initial influx of capital to get it going, but then, um, you know, you're not really sure, you're not really driving a, a profit just yet, and so you're kind of working with limited capacity until you get things off the ground, which reminded us a lot about nonprofits and, you know, the fact that we always joke in the industry of, you know, you wear 10 different hats. And so, you know, be careful if, you know, you're hired for a volunteer management, but you have an inclination to tech. Now, all of a sudden, you're the resident IT person at the nonprofit. <laughs> and by inclement... <laughs> Inclination to tech, we mean you know how to like power on a computer. <laughs> yeah, like unplug, restart, turn it back on. Great. You're now our IT person. And so that maybe it might be similar in a startup um, that you have multiple roles until you can scale to the point that you can hire people to fill in those different areas. And so that's something that nonprofits are experts at. Absolutely. We know how to do a million different things, 
um, under one job description. <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, great philosophers in the sector, Vule, um, and those of us who are in nonprofits know he's not a philosopher. He's just a, an advocate on behalf of the sector. He, uh, he often talks about kind of the, the funding dynamics that cause that. So, you know, here's a $5,000 grant. Now go solve poverty. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, that's not how that works. Um, but it, it does then result in this great scrappiness where nonprofits learn how to, how to make things work um, and how to have incredible things occur in their community despite such limited resources. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is that there's burnout and really high burnout in the sector as a whole. Exactly. And so, you know, I imagine that when you're starting in a, um, a business, a startup, that, you know, there's this light at the end of the tunnel that you're trying to get to. Um, and you probably get there a little bit quicker than we do as nonprofits. Uh, but that there is the possibility that you could burn your staff out at the beginning. And so having a culture that is aware of that and supportive of that, um, which a lot of nonprofits have, uh, could be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think another thing that, um, that startups or small for-profit companies can learn from nonprofits is the way that nonprofits stay so mission focused. I mean, part of it is in just the regulations. You have to have a mission statement. It has to be sent to all these different um, entities like the IRS, and then you have to really follow it. Um, and so in some ways that helps detract from the shiny object syndrome, as I call it, you know, we're doing great work over here and then, oh, this shiny thing happens over there. And so we, we run and go do it. And if we really stick to our mission, that doesn't happen. Um, and that's what we see, unfortunately, a lot of startups do. They, they get distracted by an opportunity that maybe isn't exactly in their wheelhouse, isn't what they had wanted to do. And they run after it um, and potentially lose what, you know, that special sauce that they were working towards. Um, and I think nonprofits do a really nice job of staying focused on their mission um, you know, when we do strategic planning, that that's the thing that goes above everything on the board so that every decision we make comes back to that mission and ensuring that we're able to do it through whatever decisions we make. I also think that something that nonprofits do um, is obviously being resourceful. You know, we talked about it, having a lot of different jobs, <laughs> um, but also doing it with limited uh, resources with limited, not only human capacity, but also with limited budget. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, and we talk about this on the podcast all the time, and I know it's kind of my soapbox that I tend to jump up on is, um, you know, recognizing that there are really talented, smart, um, just savvy individuals working at nonprofits. And it maybe is not that they don't know how to, do X, Y, and Z. It's just that they don't have the capacity to do that. And so they find ways around it. I mean, you're lucky sometimes at a nonprofit if you even have a marketing budget. Right. Right? What's yeah. that? You know, or it's, you know, $5,000 for the year, you know? Mm -hmm. So really being able to look at where you get the best bang for your buck, where you can stretch your money and also the relationships, the way nonprofits rely on relationships to further uh, awareness of their mission um, and be able to spread the word around the community. 
Yeah, I want to go back to that first thing you said there, Brittany, it made me think of this story. So um, I was the executive director of a small nonprofit in Boulder, um, human services nonprofit, so directly supporting people in some way, shape or form. Um, and I think this is a helpful context for those of you who don't work in the sector itself. You know, when you're doing human services work and people's lives are actually impacted very directly by the work you do, that's the quickest way to upend any plans you had. So I get this email from a board member saying, hey, your board report was due yesterday. Why haven't I seen it yet? And getting upset with me as their executive director. And I have to tell them, we have a family in crisis, right? Like I have been working to ensure that this child has a safe place to live today. And so in, in these kinds of nonprofits, that kind of programming is going to push everything else to the side. Oh yeah, I had this great PR opportunity to, to talk to the newspaper and get some publicity. Oh, well, but now I've got a kid over here who needs direct support in this moment. Um, and I think that's a, what I think a lot of people on the outside don't understand about nonprofits, especially in the human service space, is that crises arise. Um, and it's amazing that we have this nonprofit sector that can respond to them, that can be there for people. And it means that other things just aren't going to happen. Uh, we have limited staff, we have limited resources, and that's okay because the people matter most. Oh, and quick note for those of you outside the sector, executive director is typically the title given to the chief executive of a nonprofit. There you go. A little fact for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to remember sometimes, um, I think this is across industries, but acronyms are just like rampant in the nonprofit sector. So we're always having to stop and think about who our listenership is. And that really changed. You know, when we started this, we saw it as being kind of, um, uh, a way for us to reach out to our comrades, you know, and say, we see you and, you know, we hear you and we want to be a source of um, comfort for you by speaking your truths. And that definitely has happened. But now we've started to get more people listening who are not working in the sector every day, which has been great. And it's allowed us to, you know, kind of step back and say, okay, we need to explain X, Y, and Z first. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what about how businesses can get involved with nonprofits? I think that is a perfect topic to discuss. Let's throw up another quick poll here. Um, give me one second. Um, so corporate social responsibility is kind of the big umbrella term for a number of different ways that companies are involved. <laughs> Sorry. That's hey, my dog. It's working from home. It's what happens today. <laughs> I got my kids out at least, but I didn't get my dog out. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So corporate social responsibility. Um, for larger companies, you know, it can be truly a program where they've got um, volunteer opportunities that are picked out and lots of um, different ways for people to get involved with nonprofits. It can scale all the way back to just having some sort of match program. Um, and this is true in for-profits and nonprofits. You know, corporate social responsibility programs have really grown in recent years. So we'd love to just hear who's got one. Uh, wherever you work, do you have a corporate social responsibility program? Are you not sure? Do you not have one at all? You know, I think CSR programs are really interesting because um, it, it's become so much more important to companies as they're recruiting um, because people really want to be involved. You know, they, they want volunteer opportunities. They want, they want their company backing what they're doing. Um, and so companies are realizing that they have to create this really in terms of like HR benefits. Oh, it looks like somebody would like to see the, the poll. Sure. Let's share it out. Here you go. 
So again, nice mix of people. Wow. Yeah. Kind of right down the middle with all of them. In thirds. Yeah. So we thought it would be helpful to talk a little bit about what makes for good volunteers, donors, either as individuals. I know some of you said that that's how you're involved with the sector and as, um, as corporate um, involvement. And when we say corporate, we really just mean any for-profit company that that's not a specific size designation. <laughs> so let's, let's get honest. We need you. We need you. The sector needs you, right? We need the for-profit community to support us. Um, But that being said, bringing it back to the power dynamic that Nia brought up earlier, um, and that also has become kind of a running theme in all of our different episodes, is where where is the power dynamic? So while we do need the for-profit community, we also... um, need you to understand our needs first. Yeah, that's a a big issue. So we know that companies are so well-intentioned when they want to make partnerships with nonprofits, and we are grateful for that intention. The reality is, though, that sometimes it ends up putting a severe burden on the nonprofits. Actually, Brittany, I think you have a great story that illustrates this. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, which one? The, the volunteer day with the shed. With the shed, yes. So, you know, we would have, uh, at the nonprofit I was working at, we would have different companies reach out to us. And some of them would have an annual volunteer day where I think it's great. They have um, all of their staff, and some of these are really, really large companies, go out and they get to choose. So maybe they've worked, they've partnered with 12 different nonprofits And then their staff, their employees get to choose which nonprofit they want to help out for that day. And I think that's good because it, it makes people decide and and kind of have a, um, you know, where's their heart? What mission do they really care about? Right? So I care about kids. Okay. I'm going to go and help out this nonprofit for the day that helps out kids. However, what happens ultimately is that then the company contacts us, the nonprofit, and says, we got this great response and we have all these people that want to come and help you out. We're like, okay, we have 25 employees that would like to come and do a group volunteer project for the day. And oh, by the way, it's on a Saturday. It's not Monday through Friday. And also these 25 people are going to come to your building that has one stall restroom. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. And of course it's, you know, it's all about building relationships. And so we, we want to do it. We want it, we want it to work. We want people to have great experiences, but then that's, that's what we end up focusing on as the nonprofit, right? Like how do we build this experience for these people so that they can leave feeling charged up about kids and wanting to support our nonprofit and, and build our relationship with the company, right? Because then maybe that'll lead to uh, further support, maybe financial support, you know? So we ask our staff to work on a Saturday. We buy lunch for this company to come or breakfast stuff for when they show up. And then we ultimately create a project that they can all do. 
and it's usually something bigger than what um, that's not in our budget. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, for 25 people, it's not going to be in your budget. <laughs> right. So for one of them, you know, we're saying, well, we've always wanted a shed. We need more storage. I guess this would be the time to do it. We've got 25 workers. So let's do that. Well, now we have to buy a shed. We have to buy the materials. And don't get me wrong. There are some places who have recognized this and will even offer to give money to help pay for the materials for the group volunteer project. And that's amazing. And that's kind of what we're, you know, talking about today is having this awareness of there's not always opportunities for 25 people to come and do something in a day. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, that might be a question on your end of, do you have a project? Is there a cost incurred to you in order to do it? And if the company has the means, can we help pay for that? Mm -hmm. It's like we, we throw around the term partnership, but when those power dynamics aren't addressed up front, then it's always going to be imbalanced, right? I think the best true partnerships between a for-profit company and nonprofit are when we can really sit down and say, what do you need? What do we need? Like, let's figure out how we can come together and do it in a way that really supports our mission as the nonprofit and provides you, the for-profit, an opportunity to give back or, you know, meet whatever desires you have, but ensuring that we're not going to end up being the dumping ground because that, that's when it just feels real crappy. And I think as, as nonprofit employees like that, we get that end of the stick a little bit too frequently. And we would never say it or express it. Right. And that's why Brittany and I say it here. <laughs> <laughs> For all of you that can't. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because we really, we really want to shift that around. Uh, can we talk about restricted giving for a minute? Uh, I don't believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So real quick, restricted donations. Um, this is true corporate or individuals, you know, you as a, um, a family potentially giving. Restricted giving is when you say your dollars can only be used for a very specific purpose. And here's why it's both, almost swore, why it is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so restricted giving means that your dollars can be, only be used for these very specific purposes. And for the nonprofit, that really holds our, our hands back, right? It, it prevents us from being more agile, from using your dollars where it's needed most. And I think actually uh, coronavirus has really amplified this. So all of a sudden in March, all of these nonprofits, especially human services organizations, massively shifting what they're doing, ramping up programs, meeting needs. Well, if they got a big grant the month before that was restricted, they might not be able to use those dollars on today's immediate needs. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to go back to Vu again because he's our favorite philosopher of nonprofits. We love him. Uh, he makes the example of um, an iPhone. So you go to Apple, you buy an iPhone, you spend $1,000, I don't even know what they cost anymore. It's ridiculous. You spend an exorbitant amount of money on your phone, but you say to Apple, you can only use 250 of that on software. You're going to spend 250 of that on materials over here. You're not going to spend any of it on salaries. I know you have people, but you can't spend my money on salaries, right? Like that's so ridiculous, but that's what restricted gifts does to nonprofits. So if you take nothing from today except for one thing, this is the thing that we want you to take. Don't restrict your giving. Just don't. Whether it's from your company, whether it's from you and your family, 
let the nonprofit who you love go and do the work that they need to do with it. And that being said, it doesn't mean you can't say you're supporting a specific program, you know. It could be if you're supporting a certain nonprofit that's got different programming and you really jive with one of them, that money, even if it's unrestricted, is still supporting that program. And that's what we're trying to say is that by supporting the entire organization, you're supporting all the programs because we know at nonprofits where we need money to go in order to keep the doors open, to keep programs continuing to happen, and ultimately to get program growth. So for us to be able to really breathe into those areas that we just need to be able to scale, but we can't do it if we have restricted funding that's only for, you know, X thing over here. Breathe into it. I like that. I know. I know. I know. I got inspired. Sometimes it just overwhelms me. <laughs> so we know, oh, oh gosh. gosh, I'll talk for a bit. Let uh, your dog have its moment. <laughs> so in terms of dollars though, like we can't understate how important that is for nonprofits. Um, and I think it's also helpful to think about the ways in which companies moving into a community has a real ripple effect on, on that community. Um, you know, here in Boulder, we had a major tech company come to town, bring in a ton of employees that bumped up housing prices. And so what did that do to those at the lowest levels who are maybe already on the edges? It pushed them out, right? They couldn't afford to live there anymore. So of course, we're, we're so happy when companies move in and it supports the economy, but there are ripple effects that our nonprofits then have to pick up the pieces of. So your company can actually help on the back end of that by, by really supporting them. I, here's a great example. So one of my clients, I, I'm a nonprofit consultant. One of my clients works with um, people returning from incarceration. Um, so helping them re-enter into the community, providing them supports and access to whatever services they might need so that they don't end up uh, going back into prison. And one of their corporate partners is a local dispensary. And they said, we want to support you because we know that historic drug policy has hurt your population right? Like people are currently incarcerated because of bad drug policy. And now our company is benefiting because of better policy. So we want to help you and your clients, right? Like that is the kind of partnership that we would love to see these companies that are able to recognize the impacts of their work or maybe even, you know, kind of tertiary to that, but things that they're benefiting from and coming back to community organizations and stepping up to partner. I mean, that, that's really the, the gold standard right there. And so with that being said, I'm going to say yet another thing that we maybe would never say as nonprofit staff, but all think is that, so we talk about social responsibility. We talk about creating a culture within your company that is promoting that, that's promoting service to the community. It's all very feel good. It's all, you know, putting you and your, putting you and your company in the best light, but it's really a responsibility. Like you owe it to the community to some sense. And I hate to say that, and I know that can be um, maybe a little uh, controversial, but it's true. I mean, we're all living in this community together and there are these ripple effects and there are these organizations that are helping those that are being pushed out. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't mean that 
your company shouldn't grow, but you know, let's look more holistically at what the effects of that are and let's make sure everybody's being supported. Well, I think that brings us full circle then back to what we said initially. Nonprofits need our for-profit partners and vice versa, right? Like I think similarly, the, the companies here in our community would hate it if suddenly there was no homeless service provider, right? I, we all want to ensure that even the, the, the most marginalized in our communities have the supports that they need. And that's where we can really partner together to ensure that we're able to affect change. All right. So is it question time? Yes, that, that is officially question time. So again, a reminder, you can put your question in the group chat. You can send an anonymous one over to Patty um, and she would be happy to read it for us. Um, and maybe we should check, Patty, have you gotten any thus far? Not yet. Well, I know we, while we're waiting to see if anybody else has a question. Um, oh, did you get one? Mm-hmm. Yep. I do okay. Um, okay, here it is. I have a small tech company, 10 employees, and we want to get involved with a nonprofit. How do we go about starting to form a partnership? Great idea. Great idea. Well, I would say... Um, and this has shifted in the last, I don't know, decade or so. It used to be that companies would um, kind of create their partnerships on their own with different nonprofits. And now more and more, there seems to be this shift to finding out who their employees really want to partner with. So, and I think that's great. I mean, you need to have buy-in, right? So I would say start by polling your staff and see, you know, what mission really resonates with the majority of your staff, whether it's, you know, we want to help out kids or we want to help with homeless or we, you know, whatever that might be, identify that mission and then look for the nonprofits in the area that are working within that mission and just reach out. I was thinking about this earlier today. You know, our gatekeepers at nonprofits aren't quite as strong as they are in the for-profit world. <laughs> so really all you have to do is pick up the phone and give us a call and you'll find the right person pretty quickly. So, you know, go to their website, get their phone number, give them a call and just say, you know, I am with X company and we would like to get more involved with the community. Um, can we talk to somebody about that? Yeah, I do think that it's helpful to know right now that response rates are probably going to be a little bit longer than normal. So just because you haven't heard back within a day does not mean that they are not interested in partnering. Um, you know, I'm hearing from clients, uh, again, especially in human services, where they're seeing 400, 500% increase in their service delivery needs. So this is actually a great time to partner because there are a lot of needs and they're probably a bit overwhelmed. So that's okay. Just give them, give, have a little patience and uh, their uh, gatekeeper, like Brittany said, who doesn't exist, will be happy to get back <laughs> to you. Um, I think the next, the next step in that though is for you on the for-profit side, the, the startup side to say, how can we partner with you, right? Like just open that conversation up so that it's a true dialogue. Um, and I'm sure the nonprofit will have some ideas and you can really talk through what's going to make sense on both sides. That's a great point. You know, different organizations have different opportunities and um, 
I know from my experience, it's never an exhaustive list. So we're always open to different ideas. Um, and so if your company has something in mind, you know, please bring that to the table because it's maybe something the organization hasn't considered, but vice versa. And then also be open to their ideas. Mm -hmm. um, we have another question in the chat. Um, this one's broad. I'm thinking of starting a nonprofit. Where do I start? Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> okay. So we, we love you, um, whoever you are, very well-intentioned person. Uh, generally speaking, uh, we don't recommend starting a nonprofit um, for a few important reasons. And we're not saying that your idea isn't good, but maybe just a way to kind of transition that. Um, you know, there are a lot of nonprofits, especially here. Like we said, I mean, there's over 2,000 nonprofits just here in Boulder County. Um, and you end up with a lot of organizations with very similar service, to, you know, models. You know, they're serving the same kind of people with similar services, but there might be just like one aspect that's a little different. And so they, they are two different nonprofits. And then they end up competing for all the same resources. So for, for you and whatever your idea might be, my recommendation would actually be to start and look at who else is doing something similar and talk up to them to see if maybe it's a program they could add. Um, you know, I, I was on a board of a small nonprofit um, and we, we went to, you know, four or five different organizations because we realized the need for M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Like there don't need to be so many nonprofits that have so much overhead and um, so much, you know, just, just cost to do business when we have limited resources. So if we can partner better, if we can make programs within other organizations, there's really um, a lot of opportunity for that to be more successful potentially. Um, there are also plenty of statewide organizations that allow that sort of thing to happen, um, you know, where they have programs that operate under them for more local purposes. So, you know, get some research in there. I would also reach out to the Colorado Nonprofit Association because um, they're um, quite a resource for that. There's something called duplication of services that we as nonprofits are constantly asked to prove that we are not duplicating a service that's already being, <clears throat> excuse me, provided in our community. So if you start a nonprofit that is doing something very similar to another organization, it's going to be hard to get funding. And you're going to make it harder for that other organization to get funding too. So um, to, to Nia's point, you know, look at the people who have been doing it. I mean, the organizations I have worked for have been in the community for 50 years, 100 years. I mean, they know what they're doing. And um, starting a nonprofit is not easy. It all stems from a very sweet, intentional place, but it's very difficult. And um, so support the ones that are already in existence, have been in existence for years and years and years, who are doing the work already, and see if maybe you can be a resource for them. Mm -hmm. I'm looking in the chat and we've got, this is just a comment coming in from Ed who says at his company, although it's not been explicitly stated, the spring summer volunteer events have been postponed. Um, yeah, I'm, of course that's happening a lot, um, just about everywhere. Um, and it's, it, it does cause some inter interesting issues, you know, for those companies that have these big volunteer events every year or like the day of caring that's organized by United Way, you know, nonprofits learn to plan for that. And so then they do have really specific projects often planned out. 
and we're now losing that volunteer force. Um, and so I've seen some organizations come up with creative ways to still engage volunteers. It doesn't have that team building that I know a lot of companies are looking for out of the activities, but the nonprofits still need the help. Um, so if there is an organization with which you may have been planning a volunteer event, um, I think it's still re re worth reaching out. I'm stumbling over my words so bad now. The adrenaline's finally getting to my mouth. <laughs> uh, it's worth reaching out to them to see if there's maybe a different way that you can do some sort of support um, in volunteer work that's socially distanced uh, to still make sure that the work gets done. Well, and just to put a plug in for our brother and sister organizations who are having to, I'm going to use the word, pivot all of their events. Everybody drink. Just kidding. Um <laughs> Uh, pivot their organization or their events to a virtual platform, um, they could really use your support. Yeah. So even if they don't have opportunities for uh, volunteer opportunities, especially, you know, ones that are in person, that's a way that you can get your company involved just by uh, participating in one of their online events. Yeah, I've actually, I've seen a number of nonprofits who are really worried that sponsors are going to pull out of their events because now they, they've pivoted to virtual. Um, but instead, they're actually able to provide a lot more exposure. So for those who are truly using sponsorship for the marketing dollars um, and exposure that they're able to get, the online presence that these organizations are able to provide, it's pretty significant. You know, what we often see in nonprofits just generally is a higher return on engagement so whether that's open rates, um, social media posts, the people who are following them and, and getting those emails are really committed to the mission. And so you get much better rates than you would with most for-profit communications. And so these sponsors are realizing actually they're getting more business, more interest, whatever it might be with this virtual pivot. <laughs> that's so true. So we have about five minutes left. Probably take one more question if we've got any out there. Well, there's one more that kind of goes back to the partnership discussion earlier. Um, and it's, I've been thinking about doing a fundraiser to get customers involved, like a percentage of sales or something like that. How can we make this work better for the nonprofit? Oh, great question. Thank you for asking it. Love it. You know, this, oh, I, we call these third-party fundraisers and nonprofits, you know, where you are engaging your folks. Your They're business. my favorite. <laughs> They're both my favorite and my least favorite at the same time based on how they're structured, right? So now we have the chance to uh, help you improve yours so it's structured better. Um, step one, don't require a flyer. If it's only a percentage for people who come in with something printed out, like just don't do that. Um, what's interesting, I was actually just talking to a client who had something like this um, and the flyer doesn't allow you to order online. And of course, for restaurants right now, everything is online. And so they couldn't, they couldn't actually process it. And that, that's where it's just like, it's ridiculous. If you're going to do a donation day where a percentage of sales goes to a nonprofit, just have it be everything. Um, because this is also helping your brand, right? You're associating with this nonprofit. You're showing your community give back. Have it be for that entire period, not just for supporters of the nonprofit who bring something in. Secondly, have some upfront conversations about what marketing is going to look like on both sides. Um, you know, of course, the nonprofits are going to want to support you, but they need to have clarity on what your expectations are in terms of social media posts and email blasts and all of that. Um, and please recognize you are not going to get our email lists. You just, you're just not. <laughs> 
not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Um, but most nonprofits would be happy to include a, a blurb in one of their emails out to their folks. Um, I think probably the best way to do this is just manage expectations on both sides. Ensure that everybody has some clear responsibilities, that everybody understands what their roles are, um, what the goal is for the event. You know, it might not be to um, raise a lot of money. It might be to bring in volunteers or to expose the nonprofit to new customers and vice versa. Just be really, really clear on all of that. Again, it comes back to partnerships. Partnerships don't happen with an online form. It's because we actually sit down and talk together and figure out what's going to work. And that's, that's true of uh, any kind of event like this that you might want to be putting together. And I know that this isn't maybe um, relevant in today's day right now, given with quarantine or safer at home, but you know, one day we will hopefully be out in public again. So I would say also just be mindful of what you're asking from the nonprofit for the event. So um, if you're saying, well, we're going to offer this and it's going to be at our location and it's again on a Saturday or a Sunday and it's an all day event. Um, if the expectation is that the nonprofit is going to have a booth there all day on a Saturday what is the realities that they're actually going to have fruitful interactions for their nonprofit? And because we'll do it is the sad thing. <laughs> we will do it and we will burn out our staff because of it. And we will sit at a booth at, you know, a brewery or a restaurant or whatever and talk to maybe five people the whole day. So I think also just having uh, realistic expectations of what you're and again, it goes back to that conversation Nia is saying about having a conversation, but it goes back to the expectations that you have of the nonprofit. Yes. You might be quote unquote doing them a favor by having this event, but it's also costing the nonprofit money too. I think the best partnerships that I've ever had was when we both got something out of it, right? Like the, the for-profit came with excitement and enthusiasm. We did on our side and we were able to come together and create just a beautiful plan for how this was going to roll out. With that, we got to wrap this up. I can't believe that 50 minutes has flown by. Uh, we want to thank you all so, so much. If you are new to the pod, please find us. We are just about anywhere you might listen to podcasts, um, The Nonprofit Reframe. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can email us at nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Uh, Brittany, over to you. Well, and I say this, I end every podcast episode with this. Um, above all else, while we love having the volunteer work, we need money. I'm just going to say it. We need money. And so we know that this is a tough time for people right now. So if you have the capacity, if you do, please remember your local nonprofits, support them by giving and giving generously. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.